This is GradCast. All the do's and don'ts of being a grad. Hi, I'm Callum. I'm Krishna. This time on GradCast. I've seen policy after policy, program after program, dedicated to assisting in closing the gap, but the gap is rising. And I guess I want to emphasise that Aboriginality is not a skin colour. Sure. So who I am and my culture isn't defined by skin colour and Aboriginality in general. This is GradCast. For grads, by grads. Supported by the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation, CSC. Hello and welcome back to GradCast. This is a special mini episode. We'll be continuing our conversation from episode 7 with Indy Lowe on the representation of First Nations people in the APS. But this is also a conversation about career progression and climbing the APS ladder. And this is an exciting chance for me, a grad, a newbie, to listen to the story of someone who has grown and progressed through the APS. In this episode, we'll be learning from the exceptional career of Taryn Backus. Taryn is a Wiradjuri woman. She started her career in the APS as a graduate in the Department of Health. Now, eight years and three departments later, Taryn is the Indigenous Liaison Officer and Diversity Team Leader at the Department of Finance. Prior to joining the APS, Taryn worked as a teacher with the New South Wales Department of Education and the University of Canberra. Taryn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me here today, Callum. Uh, Taryn also has a wealth of experience outside of APS work. She is a business manager for Gilwara Arts, a creative arts business specialising in contemporary Aboriginal artworks on canvas, murals and jewellery design. Taryn is also part of Hockey ACT's Reconciliation Advisory Committee. So Taryn, with your career in the APS and also commitments outside of work, and even I hear that you're going back to university for further studies, how do you not get tired and how do you keep pushing yourself to do all these things? I think tired is just a state of mind at all times. Um, but before I go on, I do just want to acknowledge that I'm here today in Ngunnawal country. Um, and I just want to, um, I guess, pay homage and thank you to the elders of this country um, for continuing to care for it and allowing me the privilege to live on here for the last 20 years. Um, yes, yeah, scheduling is my best friend. Um, and I mean that with sincerity. I schedule everything from work to uni to hockey to my friends and um, they will have a laugh at this, but they know and just had a conversation just before about are you free Friday night? And I said, I have to go home and check the schedule about whether I'm free or not. And um, it might seem too much for some people about having to schedule every moment. But for me, if I want to do all these things and I want to be active in my community, then that's the way that I can do it is by scheduling everything. Um, It's not for everything, everyone, sorry, but um, it means I have downtime. And if I don't schedule, I would have no downtime and it would be horrible. Yep. And in terms of pushing on, I guess everything I'm doing are things that I like. So I want to be part of these things. And so, yeah, I'm busy, but I love doing it. Mm. And I guess on top of this, I'm also really involved in my hockey club and I'm also a carer for my nan as well. So um, there's a whole lot of other things that I do and that's why it's really important. Yeah, sure. No, it sounds like it works really well. So <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Taryn, reflecting on the time when you first came across or applied for the Department of Health's grad program, uh, what drew you to the public service? 
I um I was working at the University of Canberra when I decided to apply and I actually applied through the Indigenous Graduate Pathway so I didn't apply directly to the Department of Health it's mm. the Indigenous Graduate Pathway is an opportunity for Indigenous or Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander graduates to apply through a stream where there's like 40 odd agencies yeah. and you kind of have one application so yep. it streamlines that process um, so I guess I was at a point where I was like I wanted some stability mm. um, I was heading back to uni to start a law degree and I wanted to have that stability in my workplace that the university University at that time couldn't offer so I thought that the public service would be a good move and they ended up supporting me with study leave mm. to do my degree as well so yeah that was kind of the reason yeah sure that's fantastic um and you've been in the public service for a while now and gone from a, a graduate now to a diversity team leader uh what does your career journey look like uh and was there a method to climbing the ladder in terms of choosing a role or a team how did that work yeah, public service life, it's so much different than when I was when I was a grad. Mm. So I want to really put that out there, like the public service grows the longer you're in it. Sure. Um, so in the first few years of grads are like, this is not for me or whatever, I would say stay in it for a little bit longer because it definitely yeah. does change. Um, so yeah, so my experience in my grad year definitely set me up though. So I was yep. given opportunities that don't think any other person would you know would be offered i had the opportunity to attend the national aboriginal and torres strait islander cancer forum where mm. um and just i guess the timing but i was um, really fortunate enough to uh, meet the um the one and only archie roach who oh, has wow. just passed over the weekend yeah. and the opportunity as an aboriginal woman to, to chat with him and talk to him about his life and particularly the struggles of having cancer in remote communities is something that you know no one else really got that opportunity in my department so it's something that really set me up and i was really thankful for um and also as a grad, you get so many opportunities to work with leadership, right? So yeah. you get the, you know, meetings with the secretaries and the, and the first assistant secretaries and things that you just, during your, your normal public service career, you definitely do, but you have to work up the ladder to kind of get those current things. So it's definitely different. Um, I'd have to say for setting myself up and going up the ladder, everyone is different. Yeah. So in my grad year, I definitely had people who wanted to write, you know, raise that ladder and go up quickly yeah. and definitely did. Um, for me, though, I really wanted to stay where I was and take up all everything that I could in the area that I was in. So I decided to have a little bit of that sacrifice in the ladder and I stayed at my current level and, and moved laterally for a while mm. um, until I thought it was an opportunity to move. Um, and so that's something I've always lived by is take every opportunity that comes your way um, because you never know when the door's going to going to open again and that's when I took the job over at the Department of Defence in international policy and I was just really lucky enough to to work on leading South Asian policy uh, for some of the South Asian nations and it's an opportunity I'll never get again but the most amazing experience I had so yeah I guess as you go on just take every opportunity don't don't ever knock something down yeah yeah oh that's fantastic I really appreciate your your insights on the public service and how you've moved through that um, Taryn, in our conversation with Indy Lowe, we discussed factors that maybe would push Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people away from working in or with the APS. Uh, these are things like lack of representation, maybe bad past experiences, uh, maybe families not being supportive. Um, what has been your experience? Uh, do you agree with these factors? Are they more myths? Are they uh, mostly truthful? Um, yeah, do you have any observations on this? Yeah, there's absolutely truth behind them. I think mm. these things don't come out of nowhere. And I think yeah. we can think about that in anything in life. Like, you know, these rumours that they come out of some truth in yeah. some way. So definitely. Um, but I can't speak on behalf of all other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So mm. I can only speak on my experiences yeah. and what, what I've come across and seen. Um, I guess, but what I can say that in that is that 
I've seen policy after policy, program after program dedicated to assisting in closing the gap, but the gap is rising. So I can completely understand why jumping into the public service as an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person can be difficult when you can constantly see that the policies and programs that are being put in place aren't supporting you and aren't supporting your community. For some people, they want to jump into that opportunity. They want to get in there and that's fantastic. We need them. But it's also not for everyone. It can be hardworking in policies, watching other people make decisions for your people. Mm. So yeah, there's definitely some truth behind it. Yeah, sure. And just to follow up on that, what was your own experience? I guess, like, how did your family react when you decided to join the Australian Public Service? I guess in my my family was fine. My mum worked yeah. in the public service out at um, which now services Australia. Oh, sure. Um, so, you know, moving into the public service for us was a little bit different. I yeah. lived in Canberra also. So yep. when you're in Canberra, I think the public service is one of two career paths, right? It's non-public yeah, sure. service or the public service. So um, it was a little bit different for us. So... Yep. And I guess I was a teacher beforehand. So as a teacher, I was a public servant. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it might be seen differently, not as a public service, but nurses, teachers, firemen, we're all public servants. So yeah, yeah I've been a public servant for a long time. Sure. Uh, Taryn, looking at um, statistics about uh, Indigenous people in the APS, uh, in 2021, uh, the statistics suggested that 3.5% of, of the APS identify as Indigenous. And it's increased since back in 2012 when it was more like 2.6%. <laughs> you joined the APS in 2014. Uh, have you noticed any changes that reflect these stats? Uh, do you think that representation has increased? Uh, not just in terms of the number of people, but I guess also representation in terms of uh, voices of First Nations people in policy discussions and day-to-day activities in the APS. Yeah, thank you. Like. Having spent most of my time in the public service in HR and corporate roles, I de- directly see the stats and the numbers for mob coming in and coming out of agencies. So yep. in that HR sense, like I've definitely seen yeah. that numbers are rising. I don't necessarily see those changes in the workspace around me, but I think that's because in HR, it's generally not an area that um, mob are more attracted to. So sure. that's not to say it's not happening, just in, yep. that's in my experience. There's still not enough First Nations people though making decisions on policies that affect us. So I think it's important that these conversations don't always have to be within the public service though. So yes, we need more mob in the public service working on that, but that's not the only place we can get our information from. We need to engage with our communities and seek their input because it's so vital in ensuring our policies and programs have the support from those who are gonna be directly impacted by it. So yes, representation is good, but consultation should never stop. Sure. Um, Taryn, certainly there can be a lack of cultural awareness among many Australians uh, towards the First Nations community. What would you say to people looking to learn more about First Nations community? How can they improve their cultural awareness? This is such a tough one. I mean, this could be a whole podcast episode on its own, so I'll be frank with that. I guess start small, right? Let's not go for top end, I want to solve the world, hunger problems, and because when we do that, we set up for failure, right? So we're never going to achieve those those too big of goals. So start small, whether it's attending your Reconciliation Week activities at work or NAIDOC Week. Yep. Or maybe during another week, there's a community event and go engage with your local community and and start a dialogue with the elders and community and start two-way conversations. So I think that's how we're going to learn about us as the oldest living culture on earth is by engaging in two-way dialogue. Mm. Um, And it starts small. So you don't have to go out and read a thousand books and, you know, attend every museum because as we know, museums usually have a one-way story of telling things. But start with talking to people and talking with those around you and start learning first-hand experiences. 
Yep. Yeah, that's really helpful advice. Uh, are you able to recommend any resources or things that people could use in that space? Yeah, there's definitely so many. Um, right. IATSIS or the Aboriginal Institute of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Studies is definitely a great one and yep. another public service agency. Um, but I'm more than happy to attach to this is send a whole lot of resources out that you might be interested in attaching it but yeah. the red yellow black book is mm. one that i know i just said don't read thousands of books but this is one book i definitely would recommend for someone that is starting their journey um it's really um i guess it has this the simplicity in in the book yep. that you could pick up and read and understand yeah sure and we can um uh, make links to a lot of those resources in the show notes so yeah for people listening make sure to to look at the description and we'll link to some of those resources uh, Taryn, we want to discuss uh, something that's a very sensitive topic but really worth addressing, and that's the issue of racism. Um, in your experience, is it prevalent in the APS um, or just in your life in general? Have you experienced that? What are your observations on this really tough issue? Yeah, look, I'm going to be a bit cheeky here, and before I answer, I'm going to throw back to you and kind of ask what your thoughts are and whether you think racism does exist, I guess, in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a, great, a great question for me. Like, I certainly, I would think it exists and I've like seen it firsthand and yeah, it's really, really awful. In my fairly limited experience working with the public service, um, I don't think I've seen a lot of racism, but I certainly don't think that means that it doesn't exist. Um, yeah, I would hope it'd be really minimal, but yeah, I would imagine that it certainly still exists and um, yeah, it, the, there can be really negative experiences around that. Yeah, and you're right. So racism does exist in our daily lives and mm. whether people want to hear that or not, it's yeah. it's the truth. And so we have to start owning our truth um, mm. and truth-telling, and that's really important. Um, I guess I used to call racism intolerance, mm. but I think it's important to call it out for what it is. Racism sure. is racism and we need to call it. So I think we're away from the days that someone's intolerant of somebody else. Like, yeah you're not intolerant, you're, you're being racist. And I yep. think that's important. And that happens in all aspects of our life, not just the workplace, Yeah. right? So that can happen in the home, that can happen, um, you know, at the sporting venues, it can happen at the supermarket. So it's not, I guess it's not single to one particular place. Yep. It happens everywhere. And I think it's also important to call out bystanders. So, so many people hear and see racism and say nothing and do nothing, and that's unacceptable. Yeah. In 2022, we need to stand with each other and support each other and empower those that are having those remarks made to them, whether they're Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people or whether they are people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, empower them to stand up and say something. Yeah. And when they can't, you stand up for them. Mm. I think that's really important. I guess for me, in my day-to-day -day life outside of work, um, I get this all the time. So I constantly get the, you're too white to be Aboriginal. Are you sure you're Aboriginal? Like questioning whether I know something. Um, what's your percentage? So, you know, is it yeah. my arm or my leg is what I always ask them. Like, you know, what are they after? And the most common one I always get is, oh, I never would have picked you for one. Right. So I'm not sure what that means. Um, and I guess I want to emphasize that Aboriginality is not a skin color. Sure. So who I am and my culture isn't defined by skin color and Aboriginality in general. Does this affect me? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just really thankful that I have a strong family unit and amazing sisters who are by my side no matter what and really take me for the person I, that I am. And I think that helps, but it's not great when it's a constant, it's a constant thing. Mm. Yeah, um, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate uh, yeah, yeah. Your, 
insights and, and the things you said. And also, um, you've mentioned that, uh, yeah, we'll have some e- extra resources available, um, particularly available for Indigenous APS grants or employees um, that we'll also make links to in the show notes. Uh, but Taryn, let's come back to talking about your personal story, uh, and particularly Gilora Arts and Hockey ACT. Can you tell us a bit about your extracurricular commitments? Why did you choose these in particular? Uh, and do they help developing your skills at work? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess by saying Gilora Arts, as you mentioned before, it's an incredible First Nations business um, in which the creative de- director and owner is the amazing Wara My Woman and my best friend, Crystal Hurst. So getting involved in that business was kind of hand in hand um, when I was asked to come on board and support her creative genius. Yeah. And in sharing her culture and her stories, there was nothing else I'd rather do than support that. Mm. My role is voluntary there, but I work on things such as finances, pulling together packs or sending off your orders, whatever it might be to support her and her thriving business. And I definitely take that into the workplace in terms of finances and and understanding invoicing and how all that works. Um, As for hockey, it's a massive part of my life. Um, This is gonna show my age, but I've been playing since I was four, which would make it 32 years this year. So it's a life commitment. Like um, I would say that people have had life partners for less time than I've had hockey. It's a second family to me, and I participate both as a player, coach, umpire, mentor, admin official, and most recently chair of the Reconciliation Action Committee, which I serve alongside my brother. And I think that's a really important note. So we're both involved in hockey and we're both part of it. This is important to me because hockey needs to attract more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander players, but also we need to showcase our rich culture and history. And so by being involved, it means that I can make that influence um, and make that change. And in May, we actually just celebrated um, and held our first inaugural reconciliation round, which had a welcome to country and a smoking ceremony. And it was just amazing to see our culture come to life on, you know, on a Saturday during when we were playing hockey. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's incredible that you've been playing hockey since you were four and it must be amazing, I guess, seeing how that's developed. And yeah, yeah, just a really exciting thing, having the reconciliation around. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Taryn, for our audience who are currently in their graduate role and maybe thinking about next steps, uh, if you could go back to your graduate days or early career days, what would you have done differently? What advice could you give? I'm not sure what I would do differently, to be sure, but I guess my advice going out is to take, as I mentioned before, take every opportunity. So yeah. in my grad year, I really came in going, I want to work in Indigenous health policy. That's all I want to do. I don't want to work anywhere else. And I was really lucky to go work at the Department of Health and land in Indigenous health policy. So, you know, the dream had come true, but you've got to do rotations and you really hate them and you go places you don't want to go. And they wanted to send me to HR. And I okay. was like, oh gosh, I don't want to work in HR. Like who wants to work in HR, right? And then I went to HR and I haven't left. Um, I did, sorry, lie, I did do a year out at Defence. Yep. So I got in there and realised that the subset of skills that are required for HR is exactly what I had. Yeah. I could use some of my teaching experience, but mm-hmm. because I was in diversity and inclusion, I could really use my experience as, you know, an Aboriginal woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really important to me. And then I obviously moved into the grad space and realised I absolutely loved working with grads. Yeah. Um and helping them start their journey in the public service. So I guess my one thing is don't box yourself off, Yeah. right? So whether you're coming into the public service and you only wanna work at one agency or you know you don't care what agency, but you really wanna work in accounting, be open to other areas. And if that opportunity comes, take it and give everything to it because yeah. it actually may be the best decision 
for your career, but you're actually stopping yourself from exploring it. Sure, yeah, and can certainly see, yeah, how making the most of every opportunity has made such a difference in your career. It's, it looks amazing. Yeah. Um, Taryn, sort of going to close very soon, but before you go, uh, what have you got planned next for yourself? Are there any exciting projects at work or outside that you can talk about before we finish? Oh, I want to finish this law degree. Um, so yep. I finished my global studies degree last year oh, um, and I've got nine units to go on my, my Bachelor of Law. So, okay. um, you know, 10 years later, I might get this one finished. So that is something I'm really looking forward to. And probably the other big project is working alongside my brother um, with Hockey ACT. We want to develop a small children's book about kids playing hockey. And so really small, it's gonna help with an indigenous organization um, books and, and giving that to children as well. So there's like a double double effect there, but I think it's really, really exciting um, and I'm really keen to get that and you know have that as a gift to my niece and nephew as well. Yeah, fantastic. Well, both of those are really exciting. Best of luck with finishing your law degree and with the children's book. That sounds really good. Thank you so much. Uh, and Taryn, thank you so much for joining us today. I really loved our discussion. Um, yeah, and keen to yeah keep learning more. But thank you for coming on the show. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoyed having that conversation with Taryn. I hope you and listeners enjoyed listening to that as well. Thanks again for listening. And um, we will be linking all of the resources that we mentioned in the show uh, in the, the link below. So make sure you scroll down and have a look for those resources, including... Uh, we'll be linking uh, some links to Hockey ACT. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with Taryn, uh, we'll have her LinkedIn profile there. Uh, get in touch with her if you want to follow up on any of the things that we've talked about today. Uh, this was our first mini episode for Grandcast. It was a profile piece uh, really digging into a, a story of someone who's working in the public service. Uh, what did you think about this episode? If you have thoughts you can let us know in the comments or you can get in touch with us at hello at gradcast.com.au thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on gradcast Mm -hmm.